It's going to be hard enough figuring out how are you going to get the materials? How are you going to get the site built? Who's going to do your finances? Like there are all these like very unsexy parts about creating a business that are going to be your responsibility. And you don't want all those things to be sitting on this shaky foundation of how am I going to pay my bills? Welcome to From the Dorm Room to the Boardroom, a podcast where we provide insights, tips, and inspiration for college students and young professionals so they can make a really successful transition from college life to the professional world and beyond. My name is Andy Malinsky, and I'm your host. I'm also a professor of organizational behavior and international management at Brandeis University's International Business School, where we record and produce this podcast. Ryder Carroll is the author of the new book, The Bullet Journal Method, and is the creator of The Bullet Journal, and I am very happy to have him here with us on today's podcast. So thanks, Ryder, for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Let's set the stage here by talking about, you know, what you do now. I know you're a book author. I know you've written this awesome book and I know you've created the bullet journal and I'd love to hear about that. But tell us about your job and we're going to rewind in a bit about sort of earlier in your career. But what do you what do you do now? Well, actually, uh, since April of last year, I have been doing bullet journal full time, but it took a long time to get there. And before that? Before that, I was a digital product designer. So I designed interfaces for software ranging from watches to video games to you know insurance apps that had a screen. Chances are that I probably worked on something for that platform. Do where, Tell us where you went to college, what you majored in. Just tell us about your college uh, experience. I went to Skidmore College in Saratoga Springs, where I double majored in creative writing, and graphic design. I guess if you can rewind, and I know it's always hard to rewind in that way in your mind, but if you could step back into what it was like for you, I guess, senior year, maybe towards the end of senior year, thinking of, gosh, you know, what am I going to do next with this creative writing and, and graphic design, right? So did you have a sense of what was going to come next? What, what was just sort of paint the picture for us? Sure. Well, it's interesting because, like, when I went to college, I had a, I had a pretty strong idea of what I wanted to do, which was I wanted to direct music videos. That was back then. That was a thing. But throughout the course of my college career, that stopped being a thing in a very big way. Nobody would invest in that anymore. So I had to kind of change course. And eventually, one thing that really started drawing my attention were doing was doing credit designs. So the like little micro movies that go before and after film, which started becoming more and more popular at the time. They had been popular earlier on and you can see them not like some of the Hitchcock movies, the the graphics that anyway. So I found a company who was really pioneering some of these like really beautiful, high end, super interesting like designs for credits and scenes like there were these these movies that almost stood on their own before this and i for some reason i really liked how focused and how different they were but they really set the tone for what was to come and a lot of times like those tiny movies were better than the real thing (laughs) i found there was there was a specific individual who was really pioneering this and he started a company in new york and i 
wrote to them and like I pulled every string that I could and I got to go visit this company and they offered me an internship. But the way that it worked was that I went down there, I talked to them like, yes, absolutely. You, you know, once you get down here, just let us know when you can start. That internship will just be open. Right. And at the time I was I was a senior and I, I I think that when you're a senior, you have a lot of stories in your head about how much you've accomplished. Cause like, you know, you have four years of like doing your best. And at the time things were just like really working out well for me. And I just assumed and took them at their word that they just hold this spot open for me. So um, I told them roughly around the time that I would be in New York city. So that was my plan. I spent the summer up in Saratoga Springs working there, and then I moved down to New York. Now, this was a year after 9-11, and I moved everything I had down to the city, and I got like this terrible apartment, but I could afford it, you know, and then I called them and said, okay, like, when do I begin? And they told me, like, oh, I'm sorry, has nobody reached out to you yet? And like, here it comes. But because of 9-11, like how the market was at the time, they had downsized the company and my internship was gone. And nobody had bothered to tell me. So I'd moved everything to a location and uh, yeah, there was no work. So I spent the next, let's say, six or seven months looking for a job in like one of the bleakest job markets in recent history. So that was my introduction to the professional workforce space, if you will. Did that industry... Sort of was that, were you looking in that exact industry of those mini short credit films or were you looking? Yeah, I I mean, it was, it was, I was really interested in this idea of mixed media. Like for me, that was really interesting because I really love photography and making films and writing and art in general. Like it's really just a shameless creative in that, in that sense. I wanted to figure out a way to combine all these different things. That's really what I enjoyed doing what i love to do and the problem was i really realized that that i realized very quickly that just because i love doing something and i believed in it doesn't mean that i could get paid for it and that was like a really hard realization to make at that age because in college you know if, if you're a lot of time towards the end you get to be working on what you want to be working on right you you've gotten rid of all your prereqs and you can finally like study the stuff that interests you and then all of a sudden, like the real world, like completely collides with your reality. And I spent like basically that year trying to figure out how could I do what I wanted to do. And I realized that that and paying rent wasn't going to happen for me. And once I got over that hurdle, I just basically started looking for any job that I could. And that's how I ended up working for a publishing company, basically laying out order forms. And it was, really, really hard. You know, I had had left believing that I could work for a company and that would just couldn't wait to hire me because, you know, (laughs) at the time I was very naive and I was like, I'm very skilled. I'm very good at what I do. But A, that's not necessarily the case in the workforce, right? You have other people, especially in New York, vying for the same positions that are way more talented or way more experienced. Right. So like the first thing is like like cultivate a sense of humility a little bit. Like those those people, you know, you 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 begin wherever you can, I feel like. 
because as soon as you hit the workforce and as soon as you like become independent, the narrative changes very quickly, right? You realize that, that what it takes to kind of, to create a sustainable independent life. And that's not always, that doesn't always align with the story that we've either been led to believe or the story that we want to have happen. Now, that being said, what was interesting for me is that I had this terrible job, which hardly paid the bills, but at least I didn't have to worry about that anymore. Like when you're worried about how you're going to feed yourself, like every other thing starts to become less important. So I feel like that was the first box I had to check in my career. Like I can, I know where I'm staying. <laughs> I have a roof over my head. I can eat somewhat, you know? And then once that's kind of like squared away, it frees up your mind to kind of like re-engage with like, what are you going to do? And like, I feel like a lot of people think, at least I did, when I leave college, like this, it's just going to be, I'm going to be in the career that I want to be in. And then it's just going to be a matter of like, you know, climbing the ranks. The thing was that when I left also, the web was starting to become a lot more commonplace. And that was something that just didn't exist when I was in college or it was like very specific to tech companies that, you know, had websites and everything. But all of a sudden, you know, there would be smaller businesses that had websites. And for me, like creatives and artists and musicians started like having their own websites and everything. And I started getting really interested in that. And like now that I had a job and I didn't have to worry about income. I started studying about, I studied more and more about websites and things like that. And eventually I decided to like educate myself about the creation of this and learning these new technologies, all these things, you know, it was interesting. Like I'd studied all these things. And then the thing that I ended up being interested in revealed itself after, you know, I went to college, which, you know, is just the way it goes with technology. So that's when things started to change. You know, I found the thing afterwards, but it, it, I was only able to find what I was interested in or, or how I could actually make a living because I was forced to understand what living without a sense of purpose is like, right? It became such, so much more poignant and valuable for me to actually take the responsibility and figure out how I could go about pursuing this new career. And I used my terrible job to like finance that. <laughs> and did you, uh, so actually, can you, it's really interesting. And can you, can you bring us, I mean, you don't have to tell the entire story of from terrible job to bullet journal and this interview, <laughs> but you know, just like, uh, what, what did you hop from job to job? And in the meantime, sort of work on this kind of stuff on the side, just tell us a bit about like how you got from there, what you just described to now yeah i mean it's all a path of like really hard one lessons i guess so at first i had this publishing job where i you know that was, that was literally to pay the bills and whatever else that i could manage from my salary i used in actually taking night classes to learn how to code and design for an interactive space which is very different like as a graphic designer you have like the static environment but is for software and like websites, like the whole point is that you interact with them. How do you tell a story to people? And I got really fascinated by that. So I learned how to do this stuff. And then I started taking on clients on the side. 
so I was I still had my full time job. I worked at that place for like I think fourteen or sixteen months. Just a very traumatic experience in many ways that I don't think we have time to get into. But essentially, because it was so bad, it like really encouraged me to learn as much as I could about this so I could become valuable, which is something that I wasn't. And that was something that was interesting to me. Right. Like a lot of times you're 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 instructed that you're you're just valuable because of who you are. But in the workspace, when people are paying you money, like that you, you aren't as valuable as you may think. So it's on you to figure out how to become more valuable to the company, not them to you. And that's something that seems obvious now, but back then wasn't. So you know, I, I figured out ways that I could do do very specific things. Like I could design websites, I could do it for this price, I could do it, you know, like I found my niches and I became more and more valuable. So I started having the side business. I basically had like a little web design shop and I would start designing websites for small companies and bands and things like that until at some point I was able to support myself doing that. That took a while. It took a while to figure out. And then I transitioned from that job to at least being able to focus on something that I really enjoyed doing. Now, to be clear, that didn't always pay the bills as well. So I'd also be cater waitering on the side as well, you know, just to make ends meet. But at least I spent the majority of my time pursuing something that added value to my life and that I enjoyed doing. And like, you know, the cater waitering was the tax that I paid on that. But over time, my skills got better and better and I got more valuable. And then eventually I would land bigger jobs. So I went from having this this tiny web design shop to actually becoming a contractor working for very large companies, fashion industry and in the arts and creative industries, helping people with web things, you know, like building interactive destinations or figuring out checkout flows like over time for me like the actual user interface component of design started to become more and more interesting there were just these puzzles there were systems that you had to figure out how to instruct somebody to be able to easily navigate or accomplish their goal right so i focused on that and i really enjoyed that and i got more and more experience and more and more contacts as i did that so i spent a large part of my career moving as a contractor between these different companies and agencies. Now, I was a permalancer a lot. So that means that I could have, I was basically freelancing for a company for like a year or more. Or, you know, sometimes it'd just be a couple of months if it wasn't a good match. And then eventually I ended up at a company that, that really valued my contribution to the company. And they ended up offering me a full-time position, which is when I started getting teams of people working with me, essentially doing these things. And then I started having a like more leadership experience. And then after I kind of tired of just designing websites, I started moving more into the startup space because I was really interested in actually building products from the ground up, things that solve challenges. I mean, not always altruistically, but sometimes just just to make life a little bit easier. For me, that's that's kind of what mattered. So I started learning a lot about the startup world. I created my own startup with a partner. This is not bullet journal. This is 
much less. And I just really loved that space of actually building things from scratch. And then I started working for digital agencies that would do that. They'd be hired to essentially, here, we, this is our new product. We need the whole you know, software interface, all these things, which led me to the last job that I had where I was, I guess, the art director, for lack of a better, uh, of a digital design agency's New York office where I I had a team of people doing exactly that, just building products, building products. Now, the thing was, just before that, I had been doing a couple of like mid-sized stints, essentially, like contracts. It would be like, you know, five months, eight months, these kind of things. And one of them had been very challenging. I didn't see the eye to eye with the people who were building this. So I basically kind of just became a cog in the wheel, which is fine, you know, signed the contract. I just, I honored my commitment essentially, but it left me really drained. So I had this span of time where I could do whatever I wanted. And I just felt so creatively drained that I'm like, why don't I make something that's just my own, you know, something that adds value to this community that I had learned so much from, you know, over the years, especially with web design and like coding and that kind of that that genre big a lot a lot of it was being developed in real time you know like sure there's there's a design culture that it came from there there is a heritage but it's kind of the wild west and there are these people who are like way better designers or way better coders that freely shared their learnings online that i benefited from greatly but i'm not the best designer in the world certainly not the best developer so I'm like, what can I share that would add some value? So how, how I would like to have this like little, this little contained project that I can just put online, you know, for no other purpose than just as a thank you. And I want it to be something uniquely my own. And then it occurred to me that I take notes in a very unique way. And I, you know, I was sitting there thinking of like all the things that I could build. And I was like, why don't I share how I use my notebooking system because in every digital agency that I've worked at, there are a lot of black notebooks on desks, right? Whether it's people are developers or designers or accountants or project managers, they're just there, even in this digital, in this digital age. So I figured out how to explain how I use this analog platform for the digital space. And in the digital space, you know, I had to create a website that instructed how to do this analog practice. And that was an interesting thing, kind of how do you explain something that's very tangible on a, in an intangible medium. So that's how Bullet Journal came to be. I created this website, tutorial, put it online, and then, you know, went on to my next project. And then, like, it started to grow. And as I... My full-time career eventually got to a place where I had to make a choice. Do I continue to pursue this very gratifying and successful career, or do I, you know, move over to the passion project? And luckily, you know, either choice would have been able to support me at that point. Really interesting story. So, in, in, and then if you go back to college, now I know we're kind of fast-forwarding and rewinding, and you know, <laughs> yeah. so. What, if anything, about college do you think ended up being useful for your career? You talked a little bit about what wasn't, or at least the certain mindsets that weren't as conducive. Was there was there anything that 
that that in retrospect actually was helpful? Well, I mean, my my graphic design background definitely helped. You know, it's like I used a lot of the software years into into my career. Still do. You know, like Photoshop was absolutely essential, and I didn't know it when I went to college. But I also my school was very multidisciplinary, so I, I was able to be exposed to different ideas that I wouldn't have before, and that was that was helpful. I mean, ironically, I feel that I, I got more social knowledge. I gained more social knowledge in college than really hard factual knowledge because, like, the technology and the space just didn't exist while I was in college. Like the careers that I ended up having just were non-existent so that was always interesting but at the same time like for example learning about narrative arts learning about how people think you know introduction to psychology and how people digest information and what they remember and what they don't like these are all concepts that i hadn't really been exposed to before and over a long time it might not be a one-to-one relationship but it definitely the seeds were there, you know. Um, but it, it's it's also interesting because it's like the first time where there were people who were concentrated in a space based on their interest, you know. So like it was the first time in my life I ever sat in a room full of writers. Like that was really interesting. How do you work with that? How do you get feedback? How do you give feedback? Which ended up being like a very large part of my career. You know, it's it's telling people something that they don't want to hear is a skill. <laughs> and you, there's there's no at no point can it be too early to start acquiring that skill and knowing how to be able to have a productive conversation in really challenging circumstances, especially if you start going into leadership positions of any kind, right? Because that will be your job. How do you help people? align with what it is that the company is trying to do or what the client needs or those kind of things. And I found that the people who struggled the most were had never experienced that before. And as like an art major, you're constantly being told what what you could improve on and but like how or you're helping each other. So social dynamics are something that really can't be underestimated. That's really interesting, actually. I never thought of that before. As you were talking, I um, I just re- rewound to my own college experience, and I'm older than you, so it was a, even longer ago. <laughs> uh, I was just remembering that I took a creative writing class in college. I, I don't think I had thought of that for however many years it's been since I've been in college. And I, I actually remember being in that room and in that that moment where you're where sort of your work's on display. Uh, you know, and and then you need to you're you're sort of given feedback, and you know anything you create is always, if you care about it, you identify with it, and you're vulnerable to that feedback. And but then you have to sort of flip the switch and do the same thing to other people. And it's, it's interesting because in a lot of majors, you don't get that experience necessarily. So I I appreciate that comment. That's really interesting. I want to I want to move to a student question. So we, we've got a question today, and it's it's very very relevant to our discussion. So so it's about it's about uh, it's a student from um, named Jennifer who's 
She's interested in your advice about becoming an entrepreneur on a limited budget. <laughs> so, uh, very, very apropos. So let, let's let's uh, let's hear let's hear her question. Hi, my name is Jennifer, and I'm a college student, double majoring in business and East Asian studies, with a minor in econ. I'm from Wilmington, Massachusetts. So, I'm a student interested in becoming an entrepreneur. What advice would you give in terms of starting a business on very limited capital? Essentially, that's that's her question. How do, and, and I think nowadays, with what we've been talking about about the internet and you know, sort of a lot of these tools being so readily available and so on, I think it empowers a lot of people, students, to to start businesses. And what's your advice about starting a starting a business, being an entrepreneur on a limited budget? It sounds like you've lived it. Yeah. Well, I would say that the first thing is you have to have a base income. You know, uh, being an entrepreneur is incredibly, incredibly challenging, especially if you're an inexperienced entrepreneur. Just because you want to make something doesn't necessarily make you an entrepreneur. It's, it's, it, you ha- the building of a thing requires much more than people may imagine. And that becomes significantly harder when you're constantly worrying about how you're going to pay the next check. There are plenty of people who do it that way, right? They're just like, devil may care, I'm just going to do this. Which, you know, I have seen work before, but in my own experience, I've seen not work just as often. So the limited budget leads me to believe that you may not have a job as of right now or a career or an income. So for me, it's about finding an income at least at first, right? It doesn't need to be something you love, but it needs to be something that removes a lot of the fear from you. It's going to be hard enough figuring out how are you going to get the materials? How are you going to get the site built? Who's going to do your finances? Like There are all these like very unsexy parts about creating a business that are going to be your responsibility. And you don't want all those things to be sitting on this shaky foundation of how Am I going to pay my bills? That was something that became clear to me all too often. Like you can't do good work when you're constantly dreading rent. Now, that being said, essentially, I would say the first step is identifying what it is that matters to you. I think that that's really important because if you just want to start a business for the sake of starting a business, that's not going to sustain you. Like the biggest, the most lethal adversary in starting any business is time. And in time, you, your will will be challenged, your resolve will be challenged. And if you don't believe in what you're doing, or if, if it doesn't truly inspire you, then chances are you're not going to be able to sustain long enough to keep that business going. So I, I feel like the finances are very secondary to the purpose of the business. Right? Do you really want to start that online pet food store because you're passionate about that or because you have like this angle that you think you could monetize eventually? I, I always find the second one to be more unlikely to exist because you're going to be spending all your free time working on this. In my model, where you have some kind of base income and you start pursuing something else, you're doing that in your off hours. And I, I think that's a good model because it also forces you to see the sacrifice is worth it. You know, it's like, oh, your friends are all going to this party or, you know, you're tired and you come home. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to watch TV. You're going to sit down and do another three hours of work. 
Like it's a good way to see how how motivated you are to pursue this thing. So A, you're removing the financial burden. Plus, you'll probably be making enough money from your other job to be able to finance, you know, this other piece. But you want to put yourself in a position where you can comfortably work on something because a new business is incredibly difficult to get right. And once like even <laughs> one thing that people don't consider is like, okay, you did this. You have you have this terrible day job, you have this side hustle, it starts making enough money, and then finally you have that wonderful moment where you can transition full time into the side hustle and focus on that as a business. Like that's really step one. Everything else was like a precursor to that. Like once you go full time, it's a whole different beast. And and like then you have to start all over again. <laughs> like you're gonna have bad days, things aren't gonna go right. It's not like once you go full time with your side project, your problems are over. Like then you just get a whole different set of them. So my first again, my first piece of advice is truly believe in what it is that you're trying to build. Be be very excited about it. Um, because that's more than money, more than anything else, you're going to need that. Excellent. That's 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 very good advice. I think I think uh, people really appreciate hearing that. I, I want to kind of wrap up here with with a couple of quick quick fire style questions, I guess. Since you know, I'm I'm a bit ambivalent about this myself because honestly, I, I can imagine that you might be able to talk a lot about each one of these questions. But maybe maybe just what your sort of off the top of your head response might be to some of these questions. So the first one is just uh, what, 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 and you've kind of answered this a bit, but what gets you motivated at, at work? I guess at, at your current job, uh, your current role, what, what gets you motivated? That I, I'm able to align my actions with my beliefs. So in, I went full time with Bullet Journal because this company that I created, this job that I created, never makes me doubt that I'm doing the right thing or that like I, I feel fully. I feel fully committed here so that, that there's nothing more motivational, but it took me a very long time to get to this place. Right. You described a great, uh, really, I think, very useful process for how you got there too, which is, which I think people really appreciate. Um, second question, a piece of advice that uh, you remember earlier in career, did anyone ever give you advice that you, that you didn't take, but you wish you did? Not everyone has an answer to this one, but... I'm sure, but I can't remember anything. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know it's hard to it's hard to remember that one. How about um another question? How about uh what what makes a what do you think makes for a good mentor for young professionals? Now, I think what your advice in in essence has been quite useful mentoring advice. I'm I'm sure people appreciate it. You didn't talk a lot about mentors that you had. Did you have any? What 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 do you think a good one could be? I think a mentor is somebody that helps you think in a very different way based on experience right Um, they don't have to be like an older version of you but they could be somebody who had the same ambitions and got there i would say that one of my biggest regrets is just not having spent enough time with mentors because of the nature of my business like people are constantly just hopping to different companies and the few mentors i did have I, i wasn't there they weren't there long enough for me to really benefit from it. I think it's really important to find a mentor and to realize that also mentors are 
transient in some ways, right? You learn something from somebody, then you can learn something from somebody else. I would say one of the later on in my life, one of my greatest mentors was a metal teacher because he taught me about discipline. You know, doesn't really align with what I ended up doing, but it just his take on discipline was very formative. So sometimes you can find people who teach you something from an un, un, unexpected perspective. Was that metal, meaning the the like silver gold that type yeah. of metal? Yeah, yeah. In college, I took a lot of metal smithing. And what did it, what what was his what was his insight? I'm curious. And or is it? it it's not, it's not, it can't be encapsulated in a phrase. I mean, he kind of led by example and he was very hard and he had no sense of humor, but he was always ready to answer any questions and he always welcomed people who like showed up. Hmm. It, was, it, was, it was, it was very hard for, but for some reason it was like, if you put in the work, he respected you and you really tried to earn that respect. And he, and he would, you know, he would show up as well. And that was great. He would really try to figure out how to help you and then and, and kind of get you to the other side. Well, it's, it's funny because it sounds like that's what you're doing for as you're, the advice you're giving us or is really the same thing. I mean, you're not, I think what you've said today is, is not a, a sort of like a snap your fingers, sort of quick fix situation. It's more like if you show up and if you do the work and if you follow this plan, you'll eventually get maybe to the point where you can pursue your passion. And then you said, but that's where it begins. That's where the hard part begins. So I, it's interesting. In some ways, you've, you've, uh, you've provided that to us today. So I, I, think, I, think, I, I think we're going to end it here. This has been a really interesting interview. And I wanted to thank you so much for, for being our guest. For, for people who want to learn more about, about you, what you do, Bullet Journal, et cetera, what's the best way they can find you? bulletjournal.com and then at bullet journal on most social networks cool well again i really appreciate it i learned a lot too and thanks again for your time thank you so much for having me thank you for listening to from the dorm room to the boardroom if you're interested in learning more about the work that i do and helping people step outside their comfort zones and transition successfully into the professional world please visit my website www.andymolinsky.com that's a n d y m o l i n s k y.com and also feel free to email me directly at andy at andymolinsky.com with any feedback or ideas for guests for future podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Brandeis University's International Business School. By teaching rigorous business, finance, and economics, connecting students to best practices and immersing them in international experiences, Brandeis International Business School prepares exceptional individuals from around the globe to become principled professionals in companies and public institutions worldwide. Thank you so much for listening.